glad that, uh, that, that you're able to be here this morning. This morning, we're going to be finishing up a series uh, that we started uh, about five weeks ago. And we begin talking about the attitude of the heart. The attitude of the heart. And we begin to look at how that we understand and realize that it's really sometimes easy to clean up on the outside. It's, it's easy to make it look like that we have everything going good in our lives. It's easy to fool people. But that God looks so much deeper that God looks at the attitude of our heart and the attitude in which the way that we live our lives. And we've talked about how that our attitude will determine our altitude. Our attitude in Christ will determine how high that we can go in Him. And so we begin to, to look at things. And, and so this week we're going to, to start out in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And it says, Therefore... Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So when we look at this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and now chapter 7, we have talked about the Sermon on the Mount. What someone referred to as the best sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached. And so here Jesus is coming to the end of this sermon. And he says, therefore. In other words, this brings the message and it lays it at our feet. Someone referred to this as basically the altar call of Jesus' sermon. He says, therefore. In other words, now, I've told you all of these things. We have went through all of these things. Therefore, what are you going to do with what you've just heard? What are you going to do with what you just heard? In this passage of Scripture, you see, he said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Whoever hears them and does them. And he began to talk about how that, you know, we started out in, in vacation Bible school talking about, you know, the wise man built his house up on the rock. The foolish man built his house up on the sand. The house on the sand, what did it do? Oh, come on. Anybody VBS? Thank you. Thank you. That's right. It went flat. But so many times we hear what Jesus is saying, and we hear what God is talking to us and speaking to us, but we stop just at hearing it. And what Jesus is saying in this, in this passage of Scripture, He says, you've heard what I've said. You've heard all of these things that I've talked to you about. Now what are you going to do? Are you going to simply listen and not do it? Or are you going to, to hear what I say, and are you going to heed the words? And we begin to look at, over the last few weeks, and in this passage of Scripture, we talk about sand and the rock. He said, you can build your house on the sand, or you can build your house on the rock. He said, are you going to, to build your house being retaliating? For, or are you going to build it being forgiving? 
Or are you going to build your house being selfish? Or are you going to be mature? Are you going to be self-reliant? Or are you going to be dependent on me? Are you going to continue to worry? Or are you going to trust? As we talked about last week, are you going to be judgmental? Or are you going to be merciful? Or are you going to be prideful? Or are you going to be teachable? What are you going to do with what you've heard? You see, these two people, they built their house. And they faced the same storm. They built their house and they faced the same storm. But yet they had two different outcomes. Two different outcomes. And what we need to understand is is that Jesus cares about our house. He cares about our life. He cares about our eternity. We are His house. We are His temple. He, if you're a follower of Him, He lives in you. He dwells in you. In our lives, our house is our greatest asset. My uncle always told me, he said, live in the most expensive house you can live in and drive the cheapest car that you can drive. And I thought, why is that? And he said, because your house will build equity. But the minute you drive that car off of the lot, its value drops dramatically. Our house is our greatest asset. Our house is a place of safety. Our house is a place of comfort. How many people like to just come home after a long day of work and just hide away in your house? Oh, yeah. Have I mentioned to you guys we have life groups? But we are. Anytime that that we're feeling this way, we feel safe when we go to our house. It's one of our greatest assets. Do you know that that's what we are to God? We're one of His greatest assets. We bring Him joy. And in, in our home, in the natural, we can do with it as we please. We can sell it. We can buy a home and fix it up and we can flip it. But that's not true with this house, with this body. You only have one. You only get one. How many people have moved several times in in your life? It's not that way in this life. You only get one. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, once again, verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25 says, It says it's not there. All right. We'll go old school. Verse 25. It says, though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on the rock. And what we realize here is, is that the storm does not create the weakness. 
The storm doesn't create the weakness. But what it does is, is it, it, it exposes the weakness. It exposes the weakness. It wasn't the storm that knocked down this house. Because you see, the storms of life are going to come. Anybody ever been in a storm? They're going to come. Who was it? Was it Ian last week? That uh, we had a, a horrible storm right before church started. And we had a gutter up here that was stopped up. And there was water pouring off the side of the building. And it, it literally looked like Niagara Falls. But there wasn't nothing going to stop Ian Jones from getting to the house of God. And he come in and looked like that he had walked through Niagara Falls. But the storms of life are going to come. And some storms you can't pray away. You say, what? Look at Jesus in the garden. What did he say? He was getting ready to face a storm. And he prayed. God, if it's your will, take this from me. He didn't pray that storm away. He had to weather it. And there's times in our life that that's going to happen. But when the storms of life hit, how many people have ever been betrayed relationally? How many people have had, ever had the enemy try to exploit your weakness with a temptation? How many have ever went through a, a financial storm? You see, the storm comes to verify whether or not you're building your house to code. When we were doing all this renovation, there were certain codes and things that we had to do that honestly I didn't like. They wanted exit signs here and there. I think that's going to be ugly. And, uh, but we had to build it to code. We've got to do our life the same way. You say, well, what's the code? It's this right here. It's the Word of God. You can't blame the storm. You have to look at and understand that if you build your house to code, that when the storms of life come, you're going to be able to withstand them. Because you're a believer, because you're a follower of Christ, it does not make you exempt from the storms of life. But what he's telling us here, he said, if you're going to be wise... If you're going to be wise, you're going to build your house on the Word of God. You're going to build your house on the rock. You see, wise people will adjust their life to the code. Wise people will adjust their life to the code. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 and 7 says this, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It says acknowledge Him. Adjust your life to Him. But we, sometimes we don't do that. You see, the fool will say, God, I want you to adjust the code. I want you to adjust, adjust to me or how to, to how I want to live. You ever had people that just will not listen to you? Drives you crazy, doesn't it? No matter, what, no matter what area of life that you're talking about, it, it can drive you crazy because you have people in your life who absolutely will not listen to you. But what Jesus is saying here, He's saying that if you're wise, 
you're going to listen to what I'm saying. If you're wise, you're going to look at and understand what I'm trying to teach you. But now if you're a fool, you're going to fight against me. You ever had you tried to tell somebody something and they wouldn't listen? And they keep doing it their way and then it ends up doing what exactly you told them it was going to do? And you want to look at them and say, fool. Maybe in a nicer way. But that's what you're thinking. Or, ooh, don't you hate it when somebody says, I told you so. I was talking to somebody, I think it was yesterday, and something was happening, and, and uh, they looked at their husband and said, I'm glad I'm not the kind of person that says, I told you so. I'm thinking, well, that's a crafty way of saying, I told you so. But you see, God is asking us to adjust to the code that He's giving us so that when the storms of life come, that we can remain standing. Let's go on to look what He says in verse 26. It says, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The foolish man does not adjust his life. So what are you going to do with what you have just heard? What am I going to do with what I just preached? Because I told you several of these were right at me. The first one that we talked about, anger and bitterness and hatred. I should have worn my steel-toe boots because it was speaking right to me. So God is saying, J.W., what are you going to do with what you've just heard? I'm just as responsible for it as you are. When we look at sand, sand is simply rock that has been worn down. It's rock that has been worn down. When we look at the Word of God, sand we could say is the Word of God worn down by the world. The world wants to take this and wear it down. To discredit what it says. And here Jesus made an amazing statement. In Mark chapter 7 verse 13. He said, making the word of God of no effect. Through your tradition which you have handed down and many such things you do. He said, you have made the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. Your philosophies. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, this is what you've done. You see, the Bible is powerful, but it's only powerful to those who have not allowed the world to wear it down and to make it say what they want it to say. They say, I'm I'm, I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to heed it. But what are you going to do with what you've just heard? Things are going to happen. Life happens. John chapter 16, he tells us that in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but you can weather the storm. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the counselor. And this morning, we're going to talk about an attitude of the heart in closing that we need to be teachable. We have to be teachable. And there's a story in the Old Testament that I believe depicts this perfectly. Moses comes to the children of Israel and he said, tomorrow there's going to be a great storm that's coming. It's a storm that's going to affect 
and sweep over all of Egypt. He said at midnight, there's going to be a death angel that's going to come by. This is going to be the last and the final plague. And after this, Pharaoh is going to let you go. He says, but you do not have to suffer loss. You do not have to suffer death. He said, if you're teachable, if you will do what I'm telling you to do. He said, take a one-year-old lamb without spot, without blemish. Sacrifice it. And take its blood and put it over the doorpost. And at midnight, the death angel will come by. And those who have obeyed what I've told them, those who have been teachable, those who have heard my instructions and not only heard them, but done them, they'll be safe in their house. And at midnight, there was a cry like no other. The Bible tells us from all over Egypt, it was a scream. But there was no fear or torment in the house of Israel. Why? Because they had heeded the instruction of the Lord that had came through Moses. They had heeded. They had been teachable. They didn't say, oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. So the first thing that we must do to become teachable is we have to make ourselves vulnerable. You have to be willing to show your weakness. You have to be willing to show humility. We have to realize that we do not have all the answers. You may not have the answer on what it takes to make your marriage work. You may not have the answer on what it takes to raise your kids. You may not know how to save. You may not know how to invest. You may not know how to, to get out of debt. You may not know how to walk as a Christian and how to be an effective follower of Christ. But you have to be willing to say, I need help. I need help. Moses would instruct the children of Israel here. In Exodus chapter 11 verse 2, he said, Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man ask from his neighbor. You see, when you don't ask, you're either being prideful or you're being perfect. I'm not talking about asking for stuff. But when you don't know how to handle a situation, you have to be willing to ask. People so many times get in trouble because they, they don't know how to do something. Or they're having difficulty in an area of life, but they're too prideful to ask for help. We experience people who are having trouble in their marriages. And they, they don't want to come to marriage counseling. I'm like, why? Well, because everybody's going to know. And I'm thinking, well, if you get a divorce, everybody's going to know too. Or people, they don't want to sit down with financial help. Someone to look over their budget. Oh, they, I, I don't want anybody to know. Well, if you lose everything, everybody's going to know. But the enemy has us so tricked. And we... Fill ourselves with, with so much pride that we don't want to show our weaknesses. Or that we think we're perfect and we have all the answers. You ever met anybody like that? Don't look around. That no matter what the situation, they have the answer. It's a dangerous place to be. It shuts down the penetration of the Word of God in your heart. 
And something that I have realized about people that are willing to ask questions is that I can trust them because they have nothing to hide. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I need help here. Will you mentor me? Will you be my accountability partner? There's nothing wrong with getting in a life group where that you can share the things that you struggle with. Our Wednesday night life group has been awesome because people have been willing to share. And by them being willing to share, someone else can say, hey, I've experienced that. Or, hey, I'm going through that right now. And then you find them after class over somewhere in a corner talking about the situation. Why? Because they open themselves up to say, hey, I'm struggling right here. And instead of allowing the, the, the storms of life to take them under, they've asked for help. You see, when you ask questions, you're not showing weakness. In all actuality, you're showing strength. As pastor, I don't know if you believe it or not, but I face situations all the time. And when I took over three years ago, there was one thing that I knew that I didn't know everything. And there are, my mentors probably get tired of seeing my number on their phone. Because there's situations that I say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. How should I handle it? Hey, this is what I'm going through. What should I do? I have people in my life that I'm willing to listen to. Why? Because I don't want this house to fall. I don't want this house to fall. But the moment that I think that I have all the answers and that I become so prideful that I can't ask, it's like the foolish man building his house on the sand. Secondly, I need to eliminate destructive options. Eliminate destructive options. You see, for your home to stand, you've got to be willing to get rid of some stuff. For your home to stand, you've got to be willing to get rid of some stuff. How many people love multiple choice tests? I love them. Because you know what I would do? I would go through and look and I would say, well, I know that's not the answer. Mark it out. Well, I know that's not the answer. Mark it out. And by process of elimination, and then if you didn't know, you always pick what? C, right? I'm just kidding. It doesn't really work. Sometimes it does, but it's between us. How many people ever watch House Hunters? Oh, yeah. How many people are experts at figuring out which one they're going to pick. We was watching a couple days ago. I said, well, it's not going to be number one because it's too expensive. It's not going to be number three because it's not where they want to be. And you begin to eliminate where you think. How many people said, do you watch it again? I'm just seeing how many people have no life. All right. All right. Christianity is not always about adding one more thing. But it's, sometimes it's about eliminating destructive options. I talked with someone last week on Sunday. They said, we've been remodeling the kitchen. I said, really, what would you do? 
We ripped it all out. And now we're paying somebody to come back and fix it. Have you ever heard the, 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 the old adage that it has to look worse before it gets better? If you would have been in here, even the night before we moved in, you'd say, man, this looks rough. If you want to know how rough rough is, meet me after church and we'll go up here on the third floor. But sometimes you've got to, to rip some stuff out. You've got to eliminate some stuff in order to start to build again. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10 says this, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So in this passage of Scripture, there's six things listed there. And four of them, two-thirds of them, says that a way to a constructive life, a way to get to build and to plant, is to destroy some things. And when Christ comes into your life, He doesn't just want to cover up the old man. He says there are some things in there that you need to get rid of. You can't just take angerness and bitter and cover it up with a little bit of gentleness and kindness. Because there'll come a point in time that that old man will want to rise up. He said, no, let's get rid of the angerness, the anger and the bitterness. Let's do in our lives what it takes to get rid of destructive options. God wants to remove all of that that, that hurts us in our life. And I believe that the Lord will show you, if you pray and if you ask, the options that you need to remove. <coughs> I'll tell you how much I hate water. But this is what he said. He said, this is sand and this is rock. I wonder if the foolish man said, man, that sand has a nice view. I want to get as close to the water as I can get. You see, he wasn't looking at it from a heavenly perspective. But I believe that, that, that God wants to show us the future so that we can figure out what we need to choose today. And that's what wisdom is. It's looking down the road and saying, this is where I want to be. And these are the steps that I need to do to get there. Wisdom is the ability to see the outcome. To realize, hey, I don't want to end up like that. To realize that the outcome that I want and what I don't want. James chapter 1 verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. He says ask. Be willing to get rid of some things in your life. Understand that you can't just cover things up. That you can't just let it go. You see, there's a heavenly wisdom and there's an earthly wisdom. James chapter 3 verse 
15 says, This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. One version says it's devilish. Most people build their lives with worldly vision. Earthly knowledge. It's widely acceptable. It's what people tell you. Oh, it's okay. Build your house like this. Or sensual, which is self-gratifying. That's ourselves. I want to be happy. I want my life to be gratifying to me. And you build your house that way. Or devilish, which disregards God's principles. And these are things that that people build their lives on. But this is an earthly wisdom, not a heavenly wisdom. They're things that are widely acceptable, self-gratifying. It disregards biblical principles. But Jesus is asking, what are you going to do with what you've just heard? Are you going to listen to the people on the earth? As we talked about last week, the wide way, the wide path. Are you going to try to satisfy yourself? Are you going to to listen to the demonic forces that are fighting the wisdom that God is whispering in your ear? What are you going to do? Thirdly, we need to have a sense of urgency. Have a sense of urgency. Moses told the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 12 verse 11. He said, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. He's saying, listen, now is the time. Now is the time. Eat it in haste. You can't wait any longer. You, can't, you have to stop letting anger build up. You have to, to quit allowing lust to continue to grow. Urgency is the root word for emergency. If you go to the emergency room, and if you walk in with a cut, you're going to be there a while. But if you walk in holding your chest, they're going to get you back right now. Why is that? Because the heart attack takes priority over a little blood. And Jesus is saying, you need to have a sense of urgency about what what you're getting ready to face. The storm that you're getting ready to face is real. I I told you uh, last week that the gutter was stopped and the water was standing on the roof. And someone come to me right before service began to start. They said, it's leaking. Over here, it's leaking bad. We're actually downstairs. I was getting ready to come up. And the guy that came to tell me was just like, it's leaking. Somebody said, we need to get a bucket. Okay. He goes to the closet, picks up this little bucket. They said, that ain't going to work. Okay. Puts it back. Goes walking across the cafe. I'm thinking, we're about ready to have a flood up here, and you have no sense of urgency. And so many times in our life, it's that way. We see things that are about to destroy us. We see things that if we don't get a handle on, it's going to cause huge issues. But we have no sense of urgency. 
We move at our own pace. When we were working on this building, I found out real quick that my pace was not the pace of the people that were working. Now, I'll let you guess which end I was on. And if you're thinking they couldn't keep up with me, you're wrong. But there's sometimes in our lives that, that, and that we have people that just move at their own pace. But he said, you've got to have a sense of urgency. You have to understand that this storm is real. It's going to happen. And if you do not take care of it right now, if you allow it just to continue, it's going to cause trouble. It's going to destroy you. Jesus spoke as one who had authority. What authority are you going to give God's word in your life? What authority? Is it going to be, well, Pastor J.W., that's been a great six-week sermon series. I'm glad it's over. I'll see you next week. Or is it going to be those things that you talked about? Those attitudes in my heart? And struggling with them. I need God to fix them. And I need him to fix them now. I need to have a sense of urgency. I've got to quit risking my family's life. I've got to quit risking my life. I've got to have a sense of urgency. And if you're willing to do those three things... If you're willing to do those three things, you can rest in safety. You can rest in safety. Exodus chapter 11 verses 6 and 7 says this, Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall it be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. He said, there's going to be such a peace because you were teachable. Because you have listened because you did it with urgency. There's going to be such a peace in the midst of the storm. How many people would love it? That when you were going through a storm in life. That if you were just able to have peace that passes all understanding. If you're in your house. And there's a huge storm that comes. If your house is built correctly. And you know that it is. You just rest. How many people like to sleep in the middle of a storm? Isn't it so awesome? Now there's those of you who probably live a very nervous life and you can't do that. And you're looking out the window to, to see what's coming. But when you get to a point in life where you can just rest in the storm. Some of my best sleep is in the middle of a storm. 
I even like to go outside on the porch where I know that I'm safe and just watch it and rest. God wants you to get to that point in your Christian walk. He wants you to get to a point in your life where that you understand and you know that you are safe from the storm. Why do you think that when Jesus was in the midst of the storm, that all the disciples were panicking? All of those on the boat were scared to death, but Jesus was at peace. He was asleep. He was at rest. Why? Because he knew that the storm couldn't take him out. What are you going to do with what you've heard? That's what Jesus is asking here. He's saying, I care about your house. I care about you. When the storms come, I want you to be able to stand. How are you going to build it? Are you going to listen and heed what Jesus has taught in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7? What we've talked about the last six weeks? Are you going to build your house according to code? Or are you going to be like the foolish? He said, I'm going to do it my way. Because it looks so much easier and so much better. The view from the sand is just so much closer to the water. I've watched you go to the beach and you see people spend all day building these elaborate sandcastles. And there was a time that I watched two people build and one person, they spent all day, and here they are building this thing. And, and, but, it, but I know that high tide is going to take it out. But they're sitting there, and they've got their feet in the water, and they're enjoying, you know, while they're building this thing. And, you know, they can clo- they're close to go get the water, and, and, and you, you watch it. And then the same day, there was somebody that was way back at the back, and they were building another sandcastle. And it was a lot longer walk for them to, to get to, to the ocean to cool off. Or, you know, sometimes you, like to, you have to have water to, to mix the mud. And, and, uh, and it was a little bit more effort. But the next day, when I walked out onto the balcony and looked, that sandcastle that they took so much time building right down by the water, that sandcastle that, that they spent all day working on was flat. It was gone. And I believe that God is saying to you and to me this morning, wide is the path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. Translated as There may be ways that you could live your life that seem a whole lot more beneficial to you at this moment. It seems like they'll bring you more joy and and they're easier. But I believe the Holy Spirit's wanting you to say, 
Build your house in a place where it's going to be safe from the storm. With every head bowed and every eye closed. When I pray for a service, I ask the Holy Spirit just to speak into the lives of the the people who need to hear what He's speaking. There are those of you who who are here today that you may have come just out of, let's just be honest, out of habit, out of ritual, out of routine. You may be here because you would feel guilty if you skipped church on a Sunday morning. You may be here just because you happen to drive by and say, Hey, they're doing some work on that church. Let's go check it out. You may have just been flipping by, scrolling on Facebook, and say, hey, Gateway Church, Ashland, Kentucky is live. I don't have anything to do. Let's just listen. But you know what? God doesn't work that way. Nothing happens by accident. Everything has a reason and a purpose. And I believe that there are those of you who are listening today that you need to make a decision in your life to build your house on a rock. To start building your house according to the code. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor J.W., that's me. I'm at a point in life where I understand that if I keep building my house, if I keep living the way that I'm living, if I keep and I don't get rid of some destructive things in my life, it's, they're going to destroy me. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? They're going to destroy me, Pastor. They're going to take me out. Those of you who raised your hand, you absolutely did not show weakness by raising your hand. You showed strength. Being willing to say, I need God to take over. I need God to move in my life. Is there anyone else? Thank you. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Too many times in, in life, we believe that we are smart enough to fix something for ourselves. 
And not too long ago, I, I, I talked about there comes a point in time where you have to do everything that you know to do. Take all the necessary steps that you know that you need to take to fix a solution, to fix a problem. But there comes a point and a time when you have done everything that you know to do that there's only one way. There's only one way that that problem is going to be solved. And that's by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit coming into the situation. And so you may have raised your hand this morning and, and, and that's what you know to do. You may be saying in your heart, God, this is, this is what I want. But just wanting it isn't enough. You can read all the self-help books that you want. But just wanting it isn't enough. It takes the power of God to break the chains of bondage that you're living in. So as they begin to sing, and as I begin to pray, if you raised your hand this morning, don't worry about the person on your left, the person on your right. We want to give you an opportunity to step out of your seat, come meet a group of people at this altar who love you and who want to help you. And come meet a God that says, I want to show you what it means to build your house on the rock. This is not saying that you're not trying to follow Him. It's not saying that that you haven't even committed your life to Him. But it's saying, you know what? I may have committed my life to Him, but I'm still having a hard time. When we bought this building, we owned it. But if it had been left up to me to try to fix it, We wouldn't be here. Same thing's true with your life. You can't try to fix it yourself. You need to go to Him. Come to Him. So as they sing and as I pray, if you raised your hand, don't hesitate. Don't allow the enemy to talk you out of what God has for you this morning. We're gonna, I'm going to pray. And as you come, there's going to be somebody right behind you to pray with you. Because the Bible says that if we agree and touch anything, it shall be done. So right now, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to come. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you. God, you see every person in this auditorium. God, you see those who are struggling to build their house the way that you intended them to build it. Father God, I pray right now. Holy Spirit, that you will come in this place. 
as our comforter, as our counselor. God, I pray. I come against the enemy trying to discourage. God, because I know you're greater. God, those who raise their hand. God, you see right where they are. You know what they're going through. God, let them know that it doesn't show weakness, but it shows strength. God, allow them to know that you want to do something in their lives that they can't do for themselves. God, allow them to know and to realize that if they will listen, God, if they will do the things in their life that you have instructed them to do, that when the storms come, that their house will stand strong. Father, I'm believing for a supernatural change in the lives of your people. God, I'm believing for a life-changing experience and encounter. How He loves us so. times we think worship should look like what we think it should look like. But this song that they're singing, it simply says, I have a Father in heaven who loves me regardless of my performance. I'm so thankful that His love isn't based on my works. So right where you are, just claim that. He loves you. He loves me. 